Go with me, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I, I want to pick up a little bit of where we've been because I always look, like, I always look at preaching as a big story. And as in my life, I've looked back where I was in West Virginia and all these places, Mississippi and Alabama and all, and I see it's a story. And the Lord was speaking. He was doing things that fit with the moment. And I always would tell the people, well, I have good news and bad news. Good news, Jesus is Lord. And he's speaking today, and the bad news is he's speaking today. It's not bad news, but you have to have it in the right context. Because he's saying a whole lot more than what we really want to hear. And we want to hear all. You know, the church at the end times... They're not going to be those who say, don't speak. They're going to say, speak, Lord. You know, give us ears to hear that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Not everybody in America wants to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. But we want to hear. Now, look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, To everything, verse 1, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. In other words, we want to be engaged, we want to be in place, we want to have ears to hear and be ready, trained and ready to be dispatched and agree with heaven. We want to see heaven come on the earth. The purposes of heaven done and it, and it takes a people that will cooperate with God. And we want to, don't want to be those who kick against the goad, we want to be those who are yielded and surrendered and submitted. But then he tells us in verse 2, uh, and through that verse 8, very familiar portion of Scripture, there's a time for everything. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, time to pluck up what's planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. Thank God, after weeping, there's a time of laughing. How many of you know what I mean? There's joy that comes in the morning. Sometimes in the midnight hour, it seems like it lasts forever. But the dawn will come. There's a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. How many of you husbands know there's a time you don't want to hug your wife? There's a time you want to hug her, but sometimes... Especially if you said something stupid, you may want to hold off and wait. Hopefully she'll forget what you said. And then you hug her. I'm just talking from experience. There's a time to gain and a time to lose. Now, you, How many of you know there is a time to lose? Paul said, I count it all as loss that I may gain. Christ Jesus, there's a time to keep, time to throw away. How many of you could use that lesson? Throw away stuff. So how many of you keep stuff? You know, your garage or your basement, you got stuff you should have thrown away a long time ago. Time to tear. Time to sow. That's what Jerry's talking about. Time to keep silence. And the time to speak. 
This is not the time. No, there is a time to be quiet in this hour. You just need to know when that time is. But predominantly, we need to be speaking now or forever hold our peace. Because this is the hour to speak. There's a time to love, a time to hate. What do you hate? Hate sin, hate the effects of sin. I hate what sin and deception has done in our nation. I'm of you. And I see the lives that have been destroyed. Because many men who even stand in pulpits would not speak the truth. And people have suffered. People have died. And so anyway, I hate that and you hate it too. Now this is interesting. There's a time of war. Interesting to think about what's happening right now. You know, war is a judgment. It's also probably one of the greatest strategies of hell. Because in war, what happens? People die. And so right now, men are poking, trying to stir up war among the nations. It's not as the media tells you. How many of you learned, do not trust what the media says? Men with an ungodly agenda are trying to stir up war, but we pray that the God who breaks the bow in two would cause the wars on the earth to cease and that he would rise up and thwart the will of man. Anyway, there's a time of peace. And then verse, it goes on, you know, uh, in verse 16, uh, this really fits with today. I saw under the sun in the place of judgment or justice. Wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. Or wickedness, only more wickedness. Does that sound familiar? But lest we lose hope, there are three things that we should notice in this text. In verse 14, three things. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Our God is eternal. Man is infinite, but God is infinite. And he will last. There are no time restrictions. He's the God of forever. How many of you know? The God of forever. And whatever he does will last forever. Then also in verse 11, it says uh, that uh, he also, well, let me, he says he's made everything beautiful in his time. So God has a way of taking things that man mess up, and what the enemy has planned for evil, God can turn it around and use it for good. Right? And Romans 8:28 will be, it will be the truth. He causes all things to work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's just, we believe it. So he makes everything beautiful in his time. Ask Joseph. Looked really bad after being condemned and, you know, sold into slavery and all the things that happened. But God came through. And then in verse 11, he goes on and says that the eternal God who does things that are eternal, watch this, has put eternity in their hearts. He's put eternity into the hearts of men. In other words, we're not just living for the here and now. We're living for the here and what's to come, the here and later. Right? You don't want to just live for the here and now. Paul said, if my hope is only in this life, then all my hope, it's really pitiful. I'm looking for something more. The resurrection. Now last week we looked at what um, separated Christianity from all the religions of the world. Remember that? And we found out that there were what? 42 
at 100, 4,200 recognized religions on planet Earth, recognized by someone. You know, I don't know, maybe some, only one or two, but they recognize they, they have something they formed and they worship somebody. Maybe they don't even call it worship, but there's 4,200 of them. Now, there are millions of churches. Some places, churches on every corner. Other places, you, sh- you go and you can't even find. But there have been missionaries over the years that have gone and they've labored and they've at great sacrifice, you know, to sow the seeds of the gospel. And a church, a work was raised up and all. But, you know, we were looking at what you need to know the difference, especially in this hour. Do you know one of the plans, if I understand this book right, correctly, they want to loop all those religions into one. That's going to be the plan. It's the plan to do it economically. If, unless you're not looking, you can see it happening, a digital economy that they can control. And one world military, that's part of what they're working anyway. I don't want to get too far off the subject and get into my own opinion. Because a lot of it is, you know, I'm just figuring this out. How many of you know we don't know everything? If you find somebody that knows it all, you probably should not listen to much at all. Because I don't know, they do not know it all. The, the longer I've been around in ministry, the, more, the least I know. I just know the one who knows it all. I know him, and those who know him shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But anyway, so we need to know the difference in all the religions of the world versus Christianity. And we just looked at this really briefly last week. But number one, you have to look at their view of God. How do they view God? How do we view God? Holy, awesome, mighty, sovereign. There's only one, one God. And he's revealed himself through the Holy Spirit. Jesus revealed. But anyway, there's one God. The Lord your God is one. He's just. How many of you know he's just? He's righteous. And then you have to look at the way they look at man. How do we look at man? Sinful. Born in sin. Separated. In need of a Savior. Now they have some modern day versions of Christianity that just says if you just go back and look that man was originally in some perfected state and just understand who he was originally no we were sinners what that does is nullify the need for the cross any gospel that doesn't include the cross is a false gospel Jesus it was not a good thing that he died he had to die it was the only way You and I are destined toward the wrath of God, except God intervened. And Jesus took on himself the full wrath and the weight of sin and nothing. We cannot compromise on that at all. But man is sinful, separated, in need of Savior. And then you have to look at what man's greatest problem is in in these religions. And for us, it is sin, obviously. The heart of man cannot be fixed. You can compromise all you want to, but men that do not know God, their heart's going to remain exceedingly wicked. You may be able to change it up a little bit, but the heart is wicked and deceitful, and only God can change the heart, right? 
Lawlessness is breaking out in the cities of America, certain cities, and they're wondering, what's the answer? Well, new, new laws, or some of them want to remove all the laws. Let's just remove the police. None of that is going to work. The only answer is a new heart, a transformed heart by the power of the gospel. And I believe God is getting ready to demonstrate that again in our nation. But anyway, remember, it's failing to believe in Jesus. That's the problem because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. That's the ultimate. And then we looked at the answer. And the answer is obviously, it's not rules or regulations or creating some religion. You know, let's cut our hair and sit around and go, hmm, you know, whatever. You know, you can do all that if you want. It doesn't get you anywhere. The only answer is the blood of Jesus Christ, right? So anyway, we talked about that. Now, there's the thing, though, the main thing that separates us from every other religion is the issue of eternity. We're gonna, we are eternal beings. You're going to be around for a long time. Tom, when he left Tina, he's around. He's around. I think he's in that great cloud of witnesses. I tell people all the time, Bob Jones, now he's not out there. People go out there looking for him. He's not there. He's in here. He's a part of the great cloud of witnesses. No, I don't know if he's up there or not. But there are times over the years, I, I can imagine a great... Let me tell you, there's standing room only up there in the balcony. And they're packed in this joint. There's a long line waiting to get in. They're going to have to wait their turn. But it's that great cloud, but we're going to live forever. And that's what Ecclesiastes says. He has put, it, put eternity in our hearts. So let's think back now. We looked at John chapter 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Remember? You need, we need to hear that today. We need to know why he said that. That's a command. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But now I'm going away, and I'll prepare a place so that where I am you may be also. And then remember who showed up. Thomas. Lord, we don't even know where you're going. I, what are you talking about? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by who? By me. So I want to just look at some things that, um, that we need to be aware of. Jesus, remember, he said, he didn't say you wouldn't have trouble, right? I mean, if you found that to be the case, trouble follows you wherever you go. Especially if you know the one who is the answer. Because the trouble will seek to mess up your testimony. Try to mess up your mind. There's a battle. You know, all the wars going on. Now, you guys already know. We've been in the midst and we still are in a biological warfare against our nation. It's underway. And the casualties are mounting. Psychological warfare. It's happening. People don't even know they've been swept up into this, this deception. The only antidote is the truth and the truth of the gospel. 
But Jesus didn't say he came to deliver us out of trouble. He just came to give us hope, give us hope, give us power. He said, in this life you will have trouble, you will have difficulties, you will have hardship, but nevertheless be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Is his overcoming the world enough? Absolutely it is. So we're going to have, there's going to be resistance. You know, when I was a, a little boy, you know, things have changed. Today, you're always walking around. In that day, we didn't have anything. So we went to the creek, and um, the Bogalusa Creek. And we spent, in the summertime, and where I lived, it was summertime most of the time. So we would spend most of the time on the creek. If not in the water, then around. But I just, all the time, that's where we lived. We lived on the creek. And, uh, but I, you know, I remember times we would swim and there was a couple places where even in Louisiana there was a current. And it took a little bit to swim against the current. You know what I mean? Now up here in North Carolina there's currents everywhere and all the rivers, creeks and streams. But down there it was a real joy to find a current because most of the time it's just pretty, you know, slow. But this time it was pretty fast. So anyway, I can remember swimming against it. My buddies, we would have races. And you know, sometimes you're trying to get there, but you're going backwards. And so you're going, but it ain't working. And you know what I mean? I'm just remembering. But that's the way it is in this world right now. We're swimming upstream. You know, we're, we're going against the grain. And there's going to be trouble. And they're not going to like resistors. But we are resistors. We're not to be conformed to the world, not to comply with the standards that men have set up, but we to comply with the Word of God. You're going to have to make that choice. If man is God, then follow him. If God is God, follow him. And it's going to be tense, to say the least. There's going to be some resistance. You know, as long as you run with the crowd then they'll leave you alone. You start running against the grain, you start swimming upstream, you can expect some challenges. Is it, am I with you? Are you guys listening? I, I don't want to preach in a vacuum. I, feel, I don't even hardly feel here this morning. Something happened in worship. And I'm glad it happened. I don't want it to end. Lord, don't let it in. Let it go on and on and on and on and on. Now, we're going to need something in this hour. Because religion gives us temporary fixes and man-made formulas that don't work. But God's Word gives us the complete answer. Now, in other words, remember we talked about Ephesians. And this is the hour you're going to have to put on the full armor of God so that you can withstand the resistance. You know, the winds contrary winds you got to withstand the wind and then when you've done all stand withstand and then stand until you see the salvation of God now you remember Jesus in this world he says trouble there's trouble for the day and such is this so then he gives them how not to be in trouble and we, we looked at this briefly last week and this is where we'll go into this week in other words, he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Do you know that many people claim to believe in God? 
but their claim is about to be shaken to the core. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Even your claim that you believe. Because, you know, there are a lot of false gods. And the false gods are not going to stand when the real God stands up. Dagons are going to fall. You put them back up again, it ain't going to work. All the glue and fix them you got, it ain't going to work. Every God is going to fall. That is opposite of the true God. There's only one God. There's really, they are little G, he's the big G, and we know that. You know, it takes a lot of faith today to be an atheist. I mean, if you study anything, just look at the human eye, the complexity. All of creation even declares that there is a God. You've got to have a lot of faith to say there's no God. So in other words, everyone's going to have some kind of God in the final hour. In fact, they're either going to worship the beast or they're going to worship Jesus, the Son of the living God. And we've looked at this many times. I'm not going to back off. People say, well, the beast is for another hour and another time. Well, all I know is what the Bible says is there are, there's coming an antichrist, but there are many antichrists already. If maybe if we learn to overcome the many antichrists, when the big antichrist comes, it'll be a piece of cake. Maybe we need to learn to overcome some of the little beasts that we face. What you going to do when you stand before the big one? I know what I did in that dream. And I thank God that it shifted. Because he was teaching me something. But anyway. It's a time to believe. He said, okay, in this world you have trouble. You believe in God? You say you believe in God. You, okay. You say you believe in God. Let's see. Now, the, Lord, that's, the Lord's not harsh. He's not trying to trip you up. He just wants you to know. You say, in fact, when he said, when I come back, am I even going to find faith on the earth? So you say you have faith. Let me see it. You show me your faith without works. I'm going to show you a faith that's dead. So in other words, you've got to have the real deal in this hour. Everything make-believe is going, going to fall in the grave. You've got to have the real deal. So you say you believe in God, now believe in me. And that's what's happening right now in the nations, in Uganda. There are a lot of people that they believed in God. When they're coming after you and your family, and they slaughtered the pastors in Uganda, a lot of people started believing in God. They started believing. But now, okay, you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. Because I'm the one, I'm the Savior, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know they're not going to like that message. I'm not talking about Uganda. You guys love that message. Because the whole nation is being shaken for the gospel. It's amazing. But in America, they're not going to like us saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you ready? Are you going to compromise? How many of you are going to compromise? Well, maybe there's more ways. What if they line you up and they say, okay. You can go home if you'll say there are many ways. But if you only say there's one way, your way is going to be shown. I'm going to show you your way. What are you going to do? 
Are you going to stand, having done all? I believe we're going to stand. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. That happens to me, I'm going to be like Thomas. No, who was it? Saul. All of them. They're looking up. Man. Stephen. That's where. Thank you. Thomas was on my mind. I don't want Thomas on my mind. He was the doubter. No, Stephen. Looked up. Heaven. All of a sudden opening. It was amazing. And I'm going to see the same thing in you are too. So Jesus said, in a time of trouble, believe in me. And then the next thing. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, we just started this last week. What does it mean, mansion? It means dwelling place. You look it up. There are many dwelling places. But regardless of what you personally believe, I believe it means we're going to get a great upgrade when we get there. And I shared with you about some of the places I've lived. Some of them you would not... You probably, you wouldn't walk in that place. How many of you have a history, you know, there's some places you wouldn't want to go back to. But I remember, you know, the Lord just giving us upgrades all in life. And it's just been that way, even in this world. But there's a big upgrade that's yet still to come. Now, whatever mansion means, ultimately, we're not living for a mansion. Our inheritance is Him, right? When we see Him... It doesn't matter where we live up there. You see him, it's glorious. But I personally believe it's going to be a mansion, and don't, tell, don't talk me out of it. I'm, I want Shirley to be in my mansion. I know what the Bible says about all that too. But I can still believe. You know, the Lord's not really upset about some of our little petty things. It's all going to work out going to work out. So anyway, I want to talk about heaven for the rest of the time, 15, 20 minutes, heaven. Because we need to know this. I don't hear that preached anymore. I definitely don't hear hell preached on anymore. Now I can tell you, it ain't going to be too long from now. I'm going to wait for the okay from the Lord. But I'm going to give you hell when you come on Sunday morning. Because I want to talk about it. Jesus talked about it. If he talked about it, I want to talk about it. In any way, heaven. I'm not preaching on hell today. I'm preaching on the opposite. But heaven, 327 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament, 255 times in the New Testament. It's probably important. Jesus, now here's some things. Number one, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven. That's like ABC. That's number one. We pray that God, God is exalted. He's mighty, he's sovereign, God in heaven. And we're praying. In other words, it's a real place. There's only one or two places men are going to spend eternity. No in between. You're for him or you're against him. You're all in or you're all out. That's part of the reason for the shaking. Because a lot of folks have been kind of straddling. So if God sends a great shaking, and by the way, God is the one doing it. God is sending the shaking. I will shake everything. It's to get you to fall on one side or the other. And trusting that you'll fall into him. I was um, listening to this guy, John Ramirez. These guys introduced me to him by way of any way. But 
I was, he was a Satanist, one of the big dudes. I figure we probably need to hear what these guys have to say. And uh, because they probably know a little bit more than I know, a whole lot more than I know. And he was, you know, he's an ex-Satanist. He's not a true, he's not now. Thank God he got out. And there are many that are getting out. You can get out. There's a trap. There's no doubt. They pressure you. But there's a way out. The way out is the way, is to look up to the one that is the way. Jesus is the way. And so John got out. And he was talking about how there was a time when he died. And he said, man, it was an amazing experience to literally die. You're dead. There's nothing like it. I'm trying to imagine. Well, tell me more. Because I've heard people's stories. I want to hear a little bit more. What's it like? He said, you don't want to know what it's like. He's just telling. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. You're gone. You're from your body. This is it. You, this is no more. But he asked the Lord, could he come back? And the Lord let him come back. Maybe something to remember. Now, surely when she fell off her horse, I've shared with you, Jesus showed up and said, no, it's not your time. Go back. And she was in college and she fell off a horse, hit her head. So Jesus, I mean, if you, anybody else that happened to, Jesus said, it's not your time. Anybody you, you had that. Now, you were involved in some deep stuff. You and John would, yeah, we won't mention your name. But anyway, regardless, heaven is real. Now, second, also, that we're not only to pray to the Father, but he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever's going on in heaven is pretty good. We are to pray that that which is happening there will happen here. In order for that to happen, two things must happen. His kingdom must come and His will must be done. So how is the kingdom of God going to come? We agree. We walk out our life. We exalt the King. We declare the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom has come. How is the will of God going to be done? We have to cooperate with the King that His will will be done. He's given the sons of men. We have the earth. So let the will of God be done. I've got to agree with God's will. And I've got to walk it out. Do we have any examples? Jesus. Remember, he did not. I mean, this was painful what he went through. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he surrendered his will to the will of the Father. Now, was the will of the Father done on the earth? Yes. But did Jesus have to surrender to the will? He had to. He gave up his own will. Nevertheless, it was his will. Father, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then so we have to pray that. We got to believe it. You know, people today are perishing for a lack of knowledge. What is that lack of knowledge? One would be, I would think, the will of the Father. If you don't know God's will, then you're just going to accept anyone's opinion as to what God's will is, right? So we need a knowledge of the will of God. We need a knowledge, you know, of of Him. That's the greatest. I think it begins there. But then we need to do the will of God. We need to do it. 
Remember Matthew chapter 7. It's not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And I think that many are going to volunteer in this hour. How many of you say, that's me? I'm Lord. Here am I. I will do the will of the Father. Nevertheless, not my will. Lord, behold, it's written in the volume of my heart right here. I delight to do your will. Here am I, Lord. Send me. That's most of us in this room. I believe all of us. And then Matthew chapter 6, he said, Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where the moth and the rust cannot destroy. And uh, where, you know, your heart is there, your, your treasure will be also. So we have to store up treasure in heaven. And we gave some examples, remember, of the rich man and Lazarus. I almost look at right now America as the rich man as a whole and Uganda as Lazarus. We had all the luxuries of this world. They had nothing. Even what they had was taken from them. And now they're finding the riches of the kingdom of God. Who do you think is a little more prosperous in this hour? I know who's more prosperous. The riches of Christ far exceed the riches of this world. Now, as far as we're concerned, we know that inflation is run away. It's beyond. If anybody can tell me how in the world we make it from day to day, I know they're printing more money. But how much money can you print? How long is that going to last? It's just being, you know, it's almost like somebody's trying to print money. And they're just trying to speed it up. If you can create a war, you'll kill a lot of people that would have gone to heaven. Same thing. If you create some kind of financial catastrophe, you're going to find a lot of people. They're going to lose their mind for one thing. They'll go bonkers. You start taking away, you'll find out who their God was really quick. If their God was the world, and the world quits giving them, you'll find out a lot about them you never knew. But if your God is God, the kingdom of God, listen, there are riches in the kingdom. And it's your, good, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And if your Father is the Father of the kingdom of God, and all the money runs out, guess what? You're going to have something that others know not of. In fact, we read last week, remember Psalm 37, I've been young, and now I'm old. I'm not confessing that, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm young, and now I'm old. Who are you calling old? Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, or the descendants begging for bread. And I've not seen it yet. And how many of you know we're not going to see it? How many of you think God can be faithful? Even if the supply chain. Because where is your supply chain? It's eternal. Now you've got to do some things. Having done all. You do all and then you stand. You say, well, Lord, I only got a few fish. I only got just a couple loaves of bread. It ain't going to get me very far. Well, you stand. And you believe. And you'll see our God be faithful. When I was in the Ukraine, I've told you many times, and I've told you about Ludmilla, and she told us how they had, was it a bottle of honey that never ran dry? 
Honey is very important when you don't have anything else, I guess. What is it, a healing? Is there... But anyway, the honey jar never ran dry. I said, man, God, you must be amazing. And then Luke 15, 7. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, you know, than the 99 that have no need of repentance. In other words, that is telling us that when folks get saved, there's some shouts and parties and glory. Uh, Jerry was trying to get us to go there this morning, even before it started. I'm telling you, heaven, you don't even have to get cranked up. Jerry walk in on heaven. He's not going to try to get him revved up. They're going to try to get, he get him. They'll even try to get Jerry revved up. Because heaven is rejoicing. And right now there's a lot of rip-roar, breakout, going for it. Man, it's amazing what God is doing right now. Because they're not panicking. How many of you can hear the sirens going off in hell right now? They're on the alert. Warning, 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 Will Robinson. No, no. Warning. The church is awakening. The generals are getting in their place. And the army of God is, a, I'm telling you, it's a big harvest coming. And then Matthew 7, not everyone who says, but those who do the will of the Father. I was thinking about Bonnie's coming next week. I'm looking forward to Friday night and Sunday. And I remember one of the stories, Bob, when he died. And uh, Bonnie was repeating this recently on one of the videos. I think you sent that to me. And it was a time, when Bob died, it was a time and season on the earth. And he looked around all the people that had died on the earth. And only 4% were actually going to heaven. Only 4%. That means 96% of the people that were dying were not going to heaven. They were going to hell. That's according to Bob. And then remember, God sent him back for a billion so harvest. And here we are sitting on the precipice, getting ready, not even just getting ready, we're walking in it. But l- listen to this. It's, I looked it up. That Google doesn't lie, right? <laughs> According to Google. You know, you're going to have to throw Google away at some point if they don't take it from you. But 65 million people die every year in the world. 178,000 people die every day, 7,425 every minute. Now in the U.S., we're 124th of the world's population. 2.6 million people die every year. 7,123 people die every day. 297 people on the average die every hour. Five every minute. In other words, from the time we've been in here this morning, there will be a little over 600 or so people that will go into eternity from America. And heaven is one of two places. And uh, we need to sound the alarm. Let me show you something over in uh, Psalm 14. I'm gonna, there's a couple more I want to mention. And we're going to wrap this up. But we need to know about heaven again. We need to know what the Bible says, not what professor or doctor so-and-so says. Because I've heard all kinds of exclamations. And I know that people go to heaven all the time. And I thank God for all those testimonies. I'm not discrediting. You go and spend all the time. But there is an eternal heaven that I'm looking for as, as well. Nobody says amen. You're not looking forward to going there. 
What does the Bible say about it? What they've done, they've come and smashed all the things we used to believe in. Look at Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven. Well, he's looking down from somewhere. I know he's exalted. I know the heavens. I understand those things. But he looks down upon, upon the children of men to see if there's any that understand and who seek after him. Now, there are two things that, pointed, that, that spoke to me when I read that. God's not looking down on us. He's just looking down for us. And he's looking for those who will look up to him. Anyone can be saved in this hour. Is that not right? Amen. He's looking. He, in other words, he has a place prepared for us. Now, Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 3. You know how to find Philippians, don't you? General Electric Power Company. How many of you heard that? You knew that. Yeah. How many of you never heard that before? Well, you know it now. You'll never lose General, Galatians, Ephesians, Power, Philippians, Company, Colossians. That's the way I learned. How many of you learned things with little jingles and jangles? Thank God for those jingles and jangles. Because when the enemy starts jingling your bell, you can go to General Electric Power Company and you can read and stand firm. Philippians chapter 3 there, look in verse, uh, verse 19. And he says, for who's, he's talking about men. He says, their end is destruction. And um, their belly, their God is their belly. Who set their mind on earthly things. But look at this. Now men are setting their mind on earthly things. But verse 20, for our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now he's talking to believers. They already had the Savior. Now they're waiting for him to come again. Who will transform our lowly body. That it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my beloved, stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast, my beloved. Because this is not all that meets the eye. There's more to come. We're just strangers in a foreign land. How many of you ever feel like a stranger? If you haven't noticed, in America now, we feel like strangers. This is not the America that I remembered when I was a little boy. And we used to go to the creek. It's totally been changed. But we're going to stand. The kingdom is the same. Our God is the same. And the God I met as a nine-year-old boy, he's the same God today. Nothing has changed. He's still with me. And he speaks to me. And I'm hearing and I'm waiting. There is a Savior, but I'm going to stand firm. I always have heard that we should live in this life with one eye on the earth and one eye in heaven. One eye fixed on eternity. How many of you have done it? You got to do that. You're not living, if you're living for only the here and now, building up treasures on the earth, it's not going to last. But if you're, you're living up for the kingdom, the treasures which will never spoil, then your treasure will last forever. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Heaven is referred to as a, a place where there's an innumerable company of angels. Two angels to every one demon, right? How many of you believe that? That's what I believe. Being, it's a festive gathering. And that there'll be the church of the firstborn whose names are registered in heaven. And so when you get born again, you get your name registered in the registrar that is eternal. 
the Lamb's book of life. My, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. How many of you? Your name's written in that book. And nothing's going to, ain't going to happen. I'm staying right there. And then look at Revelation chapter 8. Now there's a couple things. Just before, I, I won't read that, but I'll read the next one. Go ahead and look at it, because we are going to read from chapter 7. But Revelation chapter 8, just before the seventh seal is open, there's silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Why is there silence in heaven? Do you know what happens right after that? I've heard all the opinions of men. I've heard some really stupid things. They're, they're getting ready for the judgments, the trumpets. The judge is about to stand up and issue and decree the judgments on the earth. So heaven gets quiet. Why? Because there's nothing more to say. You know, there's going to be a time, you know, we've we got to say what all we know to say right now, but there's going to come an hour, there'll be nothing more to say. Whatever you say, it. That's it. This is the hour to say it. This is the hour to say it, to speak it boldly. As if you never have any time, because this is the time. Now, chapter 7, I want you to, uh, want you to look at this. After these things, verse 9, Behold, a great multitude, which no one, all the nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples, the lamb clothed with white robes, saying, Salvation belongs to the God who sits on the throne. And all the angels stood around the throne, the elders, the four living creatures. And they're saying in verse 12, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, power and might be unto God forever and ever and ever. Then one of the elders answered, said, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? And I said, Sir, these are those who washed, you know, their robes. They came out of the great tribulation. Verse 16, They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, Don Potter, I've invite, I told you I've invited him. He, he has an open invitation. Because I know that God has given him a message. But you've got to give him time. And I had lunch with him. Don, you take all the time you want. But you come whenever. I know God's given you a word. Well, he told me the most astounding thing. And I don't want to steal it all. But relating to this, he had two different prophetic words. Two or three. I'll let him... Straighten it out. But he said people gave him, they didn't know they were given the word, but they saw Christine in heaven. She was going to be one of those who would be used to wipe away the tears from the saints. Now I know it says in there because my thought was, well, it says God will wipe them off. God will wipe. Well, yeah, but, but doesn't God use people today? God still gets all the glory, doesn't he? God is the one bringing in the harvest. Well, God will be the one to get all the glory. Now, wouldn't that just be like God? In other words, God's getting people ready to wipe off the tears. We sang a song about that this morning. He'll come and wipe away the tears. Now, you know what that means, don't you? If there are tears, what does that mean? They're going to be... Does something cause the tears? 
That's why you're looking forward to Christine walking over to you in whatever rag or whatever she has. Probably a pretty, pretty delicate, pretty amazing thing, whatever it is. And whoever else is a part of that great multitude, they wipe away the tears. Last thing, I promise. Look in 1 Peter. In fact, I, I think Don's going to come pretty soon. Because I want him to let her rip. He said, it's, gonna, it's pretty hard what the Lord's showing me. I said, good, Don. We're, we're used to it. We're ready. You don't hold anything back. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We don't want anybody coming in here and holding something back. You know what I mean? It's too late. It's too late in history. I'm glad Jesus didn't hold back. I'm glad he ain't holding back now, too. How many of you know he's a God of justice? Now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the only reason he hadn't come and kicked butt in this hour, it's his will that none should perish. Now, I know he did that in the temple. He drove, he had to do that first, obviously. Drive out of the temple. I bet they shocked some of them to the core. He had a big whip in his hand. You get out of here. Get out of my house. You've made my house a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. How many of you think he just tiptoed through the tulips? I'm telling you, that's the kind. I know a lot of people don't know that kind of Jesus. I know him. And this morning I felt, I felt a little of that fear of God. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about. I said, God, i got to go stand up there. You know, one day I'm going to stand up there, and I'm going to stand before you on what I did when I stood up there. And I'm fearful, God. I'm fearful. If you don't know the fear of God, hang on. Now, First Peter, verse 1. Blessed. Say blessed. Verse 3. But no, back up verse 1. He's a pilgrim. He's a, you ever feel like a pilgrim? Man, I'm a pilgrim. We're just passing through. Pilgrims in a strange land like Abraham. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. In this world, there was no continuing city. So that's why he could leave all that he had to go and gain the inheritance of which God would choose for him. But look in verse 3. Blessed be the Father and God of our Lord Jesus, who according to his abundant mercy has begun to us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. To an inheritance, say inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, and is reserved in heaven for you. And if you know all of that, you know verse 5 is true, that you are kept now on the earth by the power of God through faith for salvation. That will be revealed in the last time. And if you believe all of that in verse 6, in this... Though you can greatly rejoice, though now, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, you can read from one verse to the next, to the next, and you can have confidence because you have an inheritance that's imperishable, an undefiled, unsust- I mean it's unstained, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You got a reservation. You get an upgrade. 
The theologians tell me it means dwelling place. It doesn't mean mansion. Well, you got to dwell somewhere. Maybe it is a mansion. Let it be according to your faith. I choose to believe a mansion, and if I'm wrong, I get to see Jesus. And it doesn't matter. I could live in that trailer in West Virginia. If, you, if that trailer in West Virginia is in heaven, God forbid. No, if it's there, I'm going to have glory. I'm going to have glory because I'm going to see Jesus. Because that's going to—it's going to take on a new facelift. Man, God, this is great, God. Lord, thank you. Now, here's what I'm going to ask the Lord to do. Because we need a fresh vision of what heaven has in store. So I'm going to ask—I'm going to ask God to make this real, because His word never returns void. And this is what I, he put in my heart. Are you game? I'm going to ask him to let a bunch of us go there and check it out for ourselves. And I'm going to ask him to give, whether, whatever, that we have some vision. Because he stamped eternity in our hearts. If he's got eternity in our heart, then that's obviously going to affect the way we look at things going on here and now. We're going to have one eye focused on that which is to come. So I'm going to ask God to do that. Just stir up that faith and that vision and the joy. Because if you're living with heaven in mind, all hell could break out and loose. It ain't going to mess you up that much. Because you're not living for today. You're living for eternity. Does that make sense? So Lord, thank you for your word, God. Thank you. Thank you. You helped me to deliver your word, Lord. Your word is eternal. And God, I don't know all the facts, but I know you. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is real. Heaven is real. It's a real place that's been prepared for a real people that will live for all of eternity. Thank you, God, for all those that have gone before us. Thank you for Christine Potter, Lord, and whatever the roles are. Thank you for Tom. Thank you for Bob. God, parents and relatives and friends. Lord, we don't know what all this is going to look like. But we know you're there. And we know the glory. There'll be a light. There'll be no need for the sun. The Son of God will be in our midst. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us a vision of heaven. I ask for everyone in this room and those that are watching. Lord, I ask you to give us a fresh revelation of what heaven has in store so that we can impart faith to those living on the earth in this hour. And we can enable them to endure all things for the joy that is set before us. And whatever we may endure, we know, Lord, that even the testing of our faith might prove the genuineness of our faith and that we can rejoice in the Lamb of glory. Now I pray for that, Lord. I ask you to do it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you to let a bunch of us see things we've never seen before so we can come back and start telling people about it. Lord, that'd be an awesome way to evangelize. Lord, would you do that? Would you let us be a people that could bring heaven to earth first-hand testimonies of what heaven has to offer? Lord, let heaven invade America. 
Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our prayer, Lord. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray right now for people watching online or if you're in this room and and you don't know if eternity, if heaven is in your future, where you can seal that future today. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. And you must believe in God. You've got to believe in His Son, Christ Jesus. And uh, you've got to know that God raised Him up. That uh, believe in your heart that God raised His Son from the dead and you will be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You guys just pray with me in agreement. Because I believe a big harvest is coming. Then we're going to have people around the altar. We're going to pray for the sick. How many of you need a miracle today? You need a touch from heaven. You need God to do something, Mark, others. We're going to believe. I believe miracles are going to break out in this place. Testimonies. Friday night was the most astounding testimonies of miracles that happened. One among the, a person in this place, another, and through a great journey they went through where they really, the death spirit, remember the angel of death, came in the hospital room and out of his mouth came, I shall live and not die. I mean, if you know, it's probably a good idea to have his word hidden in your heart. So anyway, he speaks that, and the death angel t- took off. Anyway, there's going to be testimonies in this place. So I want you to pray. Go ahead, Alicia. And we just, just pray this right now. Just say, dear God, I believe in you. I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I repent. I turn my life over to you. From this moment on, I choose to follow you, Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. And use me the rest of my life for your glory. By faith, I receive you into my heart. And I will follow you now for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.